show. Celebrities, pop culture, and comedy. Hey, what's up? It's Michael Yo. Now, uh, make sure you subscribe and rate the podcast on iTunes or all streaming platforms. Let me tell you, it does a lot for the show, and it really means a lot. So, subscribe, comment on the podcast, Michael Yo Show. Have we already started? Yeah. Oh, okay. So, yeah. I'll watch what I'm saying. That's you as Michael Jackson, is it? No, that's Bruno Mars. I, oh. I uh, was his first celebrity interview. Oh, so he, he made it big. He made it big in America, and he was working on his first album. Right. And I had to go interview him. It was this tiny studio, the size of this room, right? And uh, I brought that picture because my friend was his friend in Hawaii, and goes, he impersonated Michael Jackson as a kid. Yeah, yeah. And so I brought it up, and to see a guy that was so insecure at the time, but now <laughs> he like has all this swag. Oh, he's, like, he's one of the most talented people ever. Yeah, he's, was, the music's not for me, but he's one of those guys that you watch. There you go. Oh, I get it. He's have you ever seen too, one of his? He's concert? too talented to to fail. Yeah, he's just so good. He's yeah. like, have you ever been to one of his shows? No, and no, I, don't, you, I don't intend. To, I'm not there. <laughs> I don't intend on ever going to see Bruno Mars, but I I appreciate that he's talented. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, I don't. Well, what's your group then? Like, what's the group? You, oh, you I, I look. I. We've seen Oasis live maybe 20 times, 20, okay. 30 times. I think The Killers live many times. Um, and there's been different bands, but I, I got to a point in about 2005 when I called it a day on music. Oh, you're just done with it. No, I need it anymore. I love music, but once you've got The Beatles, The Stone Roses and Oasis and The Killers and, you know, a few folky bands that I like and Neil Finn and all these people, I don't... I don't want anyone new in the group. It's like it's like when you're old and you can't make friends as easy. Oh, it's because, so tough. Yeah, because you've already got your group of friends and, you know, like... Why is it so hard to make friends? Because it's so true. Like, it's hard to... What, you know, my wife invites me to meet people all the time and it's just... Maybe I'm just not interested. I don't know. It's so tough. I've gotten better at it um, because of... You know, I, I had... I moved to England when I was 20 and then I moved to America when I was 30. And so each time I had to start again. So I lost all my sort of teenage friends and all that type of stuff, lost all of them. And then I made all my, I made a whole group of friends in Britain. And then I'm still friends with them, but they live in Britain. And then I moved to America and I didn't really have any friends to begin with, you know. And so I found you meet them mostly at work or other, but like with me, I wasn't really, I sort of went straight into headlining and I didn't, um, so the, the camaraderie of being an open micer with somebody, that's where I met all my friends to begin with. When you're all coming up and you all used to be, you know, taking drugs or drinking or whatever at some guy's dig of a house and you're like, we're all going to make it. It's yeah. going to be, this is going to be massive. You know what I mean? And then once you get a bit of success, you, 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 you become more of an island as well, I think. Now, when you moved to America, how, what was the level of success? Were you already huge? I was doing theaters in Britain. I just started doing theatres in Britain. I was off the circuit, and um, and uh, it's different in Britain because you, you, you can be a headline act and still be doing comedy clubs. You can be a celebrity and still doing comedy clubs. In in Britain, um, no one even lists who's performing in their club, really. People just show up. There isn't like a next week, David Spade's coming type of a thing, you know? So they have a built-in crowd out there. They just yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but comedy's sort of dying because of that format now over there. They're having a few problems. Because what happened was comedy got hugely popular on TV, and there was a show called Michael McIntyre's Road Show, and um, and that, a lot of comics. So we used to when I started out in Britain, there was there was maybe there was like 
eight famous comics, mm-hmm. and that they were all of them. Some of them were off. <laughs> that was the eight guys, and then was there was, it. and then there was a whole load of us that were just. And the internet hadn't really kicked off in the way it has now. YouTube wasn't even, you know, there was like the eight famous people, and the rest of us were all just clubbing comics, and we were making a good living because you get two hundred pounds a show there, and you know, so you were making. 80,000 pounds a year, which was good money, and you weren't famous. That was the best years of my life, you know? Really? And um, and what happened is, then they had a lot of TV shows, then the introduction of people watching clips on the internet, and then putting too many stand-up specials out. What happens is, now there's like 60 famous comics over there, and they're taking all the tickets. Mm. So the clubs are dying. So everyone's gone from watching comedy in comedy clubs to watching comedy in theatres and small, you know, um, community centres and shit like that. Do they still have the format where the host is like the star of the show? Isn't that isn't that true or no? The, the MC isn't at, like the MC in America just seems to introduce people on for the most part and. You know, that's... Can I vape in here? Is that, is that, oh, sure. Oh, do, okay. it, do it, do it. I don't know. Yeah, People yeah. might think that your kid will walk in here in three months and... No, my kid... But I do have a baby up here. Yeah, but it's not going to... It's not, it's not in the room with me right now. Like, are you out of your mind? It's like way over there. It's way over there. Yeah, way it's, over. It's, it's, it's about a thousand square feet away from us right now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Um... So, so what was I talking about? So uh, you were talking about. Uh, I was talking about the uh, host. Uh, the MCs in America, they they just sort of bring everyone on. They might joke around a little bit, but like in in uh, in Britain, they seem to have a slightly more starring role. They get fifty pounds more than the other acts because they have to be on for longer. Well, in New York, they do that. The host gets more than the feature. Yeah, yeah. and uh, it's like I, I, I guess, but I, I I knew very quickly what type of comedy I was doing because. Um, they always wanted to put, like, if I'm on a bill, and still to this day, if you put, if you book me on a late night show, there's always like a a, a, a female is the other guest, or just something. To balance it out. Yeah, yeah, just to go, <laughs> just to go. Our show's not too blokey. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, if they have two of me, then the show's in trouble. You know what I mean? Do you so, like doing late night sets? <clears throat> um, I never. I did one set on, on Lopez tonight when I first got to America, and it didn't go particularly well. I remember looking very greasy. I remember I just didn't look washed. <laughs> um, but I, I, and uh, I was still heavily drinking back in those days, uh-huh. so I, I looked a little bloated. You know? Oh, okay. But um, uh, I, um, I only did one, and then after that, I said I wouldn't do stand-up comedy unless. Uh, it was a special because I'd already recorded two specials at that stage when I got, when I first sort of got to America. I had one in Britain and one over here, and, and I, I didn't want to give away material. And you know, if you do something on panel, you can say it on panel and then do it as stand up because it's a different thing. The beats are different, and you know, people can you know, it's not the same thing. And so I just never wanted to give stand up away. And so I, I just held out. I got offered you know all the shows to do stand up on, and I said I'll, I'll only be a guest. And now I've done them all except for. I've, you know, I've done Fallon like three times. I've only done Colbert once. I don't think Colbert liked me as a person. Why? Well, you watch. There's there's a clip. Watch my clip. I did really well. It's edited to look like I'm dying. And also it helps the, the, the fact that it looks like I'm dying because Colbert's just sitting just staring at me after every joke. And then watch Bill Burr as well on Colbert. And he does the same thing to Bill as well. Really? I think he has a problem with what he th- considers to be the more macho comedians or whatever. This, the, I'm not, you know, no, no, I, no, I, I think myself, I or yeah. alpha male comics or whatever he perceives us to be. I think he has an issue with them. Okay, that's interesting. Yeah, because he, I mean, 
I, I, I think his kind of, like, politically. I used to love the, the, the Colbert yeah. Report. I thought it was one of my number one shows. I was very excited to be on the show. But. When did when did you pop in America then? Did, was it as soon as you got here, you, like, you were well, doing... I came over to America, then I, I did, um, I did a, bit, a little bit of radio and stuff like that. Opie and Anthony always had me on, and, and then I did, um, uh, I did Jim Norton's uh, Down and Dirty, and after that HBO, I did, like, a 10-minute set, and HBO... I uh, said, I oh, will do a special with you. And that was back when specials were very, very rare. They, they, so used they to were it. special. Yeah, they, Netflix didn't exist in, as it does now. Mm-hmm. And um, there, it was, uh, uh, I, I got paid very little, but it was the best career break I ever had. I had to break a contract with uh, in Britain. I had I, I'd signed on for a small amount of money for five specials for this company. <laughs> but at the time, I had no money, so and then so they took all the money back, and I'd already paid taxes on it and all this type of stuff. So I was deep in the hole. By the time HBO paid me, I still was tens of thousands of dollars in debt from the other thing. And uh, but I, I just sort of thought, oh, that'll be a better move. And I, I didn't know what would happen after the special. I thought, oh, I guess. You know, because these specials are so rare back then. I guess I guess I'll be off to the races. You always heard those those stories of like Johnny Carson. If he oh, invited you to the couch, done. Yeah, done. yeah, yeah. yeah that mean, was you your whole that. life. He invited you to the couch. You're a superstar, right? I mean, they had 30 million people watching that show at that time. That's incredible. And now you can do a thousand late night spots, and it won't make any difference. No, it's not, still it's still good to do, but yeah. it's not. You know. It's a credit now. It won't. It's not a game changer. Yeah, it's not a game changer. So, so I did I did those that special, and then. They just that that just allowed me to be a headline act in a, in clubs, so I was doing rooms for very cheap, like stupidly low money to headline for the weekend, and they were papering the whole rooms, you know, because that's the thing with comedy clubs. They basically, you know, this they basically earn the same money whoever's on that weekend because the bigger comics going to take ninety percent. The bigger comics will take all the door. Yep. And the smaller comic will do it for free, and then they'll take all the booze, and they're, they're just taking all the booze, booze and the and food and that's anyway. All, yeah. That's all they're taking anyway. Yeah. Everything, and and so as long as that room's full every week, they're sort of making the same amount of money. And it's better for them to have the bigger acts because it makes the club seem more prestigious. But yeah, every now and again, a guy like me will swoop in, and then if you can come in and then you do a really good job, then they're happy as well because the crowd leaves happy and all that type of stuff. So you know, that's what I did. I just sort of pounded the pavement for about three years doing the clubs, and then I don't know when I moved into theatres. I don't know. I, I can't remember why that happened, really. Okay. There wasn't <laughs> there wasn't a big TV appearance or anything? There was a bit in my career that popped, but I was already in theatres, but, like, I think has given me a lot more longevity than... The gun. The guns. Yeah. The gun. Yeah, yeah, that was brilliant. Yeah, the guns. The guns thing was... was uh, uh, Look, it's really sad because every time there was a shooting or something, my career would get a little kick, you know, like because people would start yeah. posting this this video all the time. And even now, when there's a shooting, people go to me. They go, "Jim, say something, say something." And I'm like, "What do you want me to fucking say?" <laughs> the guns. I still think guns are bad, and I still I'm still not a big you know component of everyone should have a gun. But that's my opinion. I I, I understand it's in the law of America. I understand the Second Amendment. I'm not a fucking idiot. Yeah. And so, you know, unless the laws are changed, I'm not going to change people's minds, not with a little stand-up routine. I think what stand-up routines can do is it makes, um, especially a routine like that that's like 15 minutes long, um, when there is an argument at a party, it gives some light arguments for people to say, 
You know what I mean? If yeah. they watch the thing, they'll go, what about this? Because it's it's all in jokes, you know? It's not real statistics and this and that. It's just like a lot of it's all hunch work where you go, what, what, common sense. That bit, how long, because, you know, what I love about your style is you always, it just seems like you're talking. Right. You're just giving facts. You're making jokes. And it seems seamless. It, it's very much getting to know your personality. Right. right. It's very much you. But when you're working that out and it winds up 15 minutes, is that something like you had beats or were you just kind of like, all right, that one worked. That well, one worked. I was, I was already doing, I was already doing, uh, I saw I was doing, I was doing legit at that stage, which was my sitcom on FX that no one saw, but I still am very fond of. <laughs> um, and the people who watched it liked it. Yeah. So that's all that matters, right? I guess. It would have it would have been nicer if people watched <laughs> yeah, it. If more people watched yeah. it, you still would have been doing it. It's still on Hulu. Check it out. Yeah. Check it out. It's still yeah. on Hulu. Anyway, so um, uh, we were doing legit, and John Ratzenberg was on the show who played Cliff Clavin on, from Cheers. And John's a Republican. I'm, I don't think I'm speaking out of term saying anything about John here that John wouldn't say himself. And John uh, believes in guns and all that type of stuff. And, uh, and, and, he, he thinks I'm a lunatic and I think his opinions are lunatic. And we're both friends. We both get along just great to this day, me and John. Uh, and um, I was I was seated next to John when Sandy Hook happened. And uh, so so I, I was like, we were all just shocked, you know, terrible kids, you know. And, and we were all just, I, I'm, I was just, just become a father myself, you know. And, uh, and, and we were sitting there and people were crying and, you know, and he turns to me and goes, hey, Jimmy. None of this would have happened if those uh, teachers had guns. And I just went, oh, okay. And a lot of people believe that's a real argument, and that is a valid argument, but we haven't put it in to, to tested it, and I don't I don't agree with that. And so me and John maybe argued for two or three days. If you if both sides have guns, you have a gunfight. Yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah. No, I, I agree. But and, if and there was no, uh, and there's uh, a yeah. few unstable teachers out there, there don't you I, fucking worry about I, that. I, tell me about there's it. There's a teacher who would have shot me fucking point blank. Well, they there got was one that I fucking this teacher would have killed me they got teachers banging students they're crazy teachers are crazy too man whatever um and so so it was maybe it was maybe uh two days of arguing and this set was written it was written because just off the arguments yeah because every counter argument i had was like a funny and then sometimes i tried to rile him up with little tiny arguments and (laughs) and you know what i mean by the time we were all done i had this 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 routine you know and and I did it. I remember the first time I sort of said on stage, I said, all right, I'm going to talk about something, guns. And then just people just like, oh, really God. the whole room went, you know, because not a lot of comics had done, you know, George Carling had a thing and I think Bill Burr did a thing and I, I, I don't I don't know. I, I don't watch Chris it. Because Frog did a thing with yeah, guns. Yeah, he yeah, he did the bullets thing. The bullet stuff. But like, I don't think a foreigner had done one in, you know what I mean? So there was a lot of tension when I first started doing it. I, I remember like a, like, like a real hillbilly guy coming to see me before the special had come out and I was like, in full flight of doing that routine every day and he's like oh Jim man I just love you oh I'm so excited and he wanted to see me do all my cock jokes and I can do that whenever you want <laughs> you know what I mean and, and, and what happened was and, I, and he took a photo with me before the show and I remember thinking this guy's not going to like this show he's yeah. not going to like it you know, and then like I check social media afterwards, and then he's like, uh, "There's the photo of me. This person's a piece of shit." <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, I felt so bad disappointing that guy because I know how excited he was, uh-huh. and he travelled to Vegas to see the show, and from whatever town he was from, you know what I mean. And he was there with his wife, and he was just elated to be there. And then I fucking ruined his day for that one bit. 
regardless of the rest of the show, it's just amazing to me how people's hold. Look, my, well, I believe I believe that you should have a right to have a gun too, and all that stuff. But it's amazing how people will get so upset, you know, about you talk, even talking, mentioning. Well, facts I don't get I don't get upset about their them their right to have Me a neither. gun. I don't get I, I, I don't, get I don't even try to really particularly stop them from having guns. No, I, I just think it's silly, and I think we don't need semi-automatic things and I don't you know there, there should be background checks and all that type of stuff and I think most sensible people think that as well but not everyone does you know yeah it's like you I know. if you want to have a gun have a gun I'm not going to get mad at you but <clears throat> if you say the opposite yeah they get mad they get mad yeah if you make points and yeah, I'm I don't talking, think you should have a gun yeah but I'm not stopping you yeah but have a gun have a gun yeah but also I grew up I, like I deal with it now with talking about people to people about healthcare mm-hmm. where it's the American healthcare system to me is lunacy. It's it's fucking insanity, and and you guys just go. Well, I, I don't I don't want to have weight like in Canada. What are you talking about? I grew up in a socialist society. Now I know twenty million people versus three hundred thirty million. Very vastly different. Same argument that I said with the guns. Yeah. Right. But I I tell you, what, and then I lived in Britain. Britain's the fucking, the NHS in Britain is the shit. And they've got 60 million people on a little fucking rock, man. And I I never waited for shit. And, and I, they have free health care. Free health care. Yeah. Not just for their citizens, uh-huh. like in Australia. If you hurt yourself over there, they'll... You, you don't get travel insurance when you go to Britain. You're more protected while you're on holiday there than while you're living here. Right? Now, when I... When, okay, so, so Jim Jeffries is in my original name, stage name, got rid of my last yeah. name, you know, whatever. I, I got a fractured skull. I had someone come up uh, in Nottingham Journalers after I finished a gig and smashed my head into a table. This is when I was just a, you know, a, my first few years of comedy. Right? Oh my God. And I, I cracked my skull here between my eyes. Well, the hit was here, but the, that's a softer part of the, the skull. And uh, so anyway, so I, I, I was getting these like, I went to the hospital and I was like, I thought I was going to have a brain hemorrhage. I was just like, and so they, they took care of me and they put me in what I would call, uh, I would call the drunken cunts ward, right? <laughs> like this was, you know, it was the NHS. It was all free, but it was it was Nottingham on a Saturday night at three a.m. and there was just people with glass in their face. The, you know, the Brits like to fight, right? Yeah. And then people use the word glass as a verb, right? <laughs> and and uh, and and there's just drunk people just like ah oh, fuck off, and people being questioned by the police. You know, like, what did you do? But they yeah. were still in, you know. And so I was there with me skull, and they'd bandaged me all up and x-rays and stuff like that, and they were morring me, checking me every minute, checking my eyes every, like, half hour. Like, you don't I, I wasn't allowed to sleep, yeah. you know, in mm-hmm. case there was a problem. And so I was in a hell of a state. And then I was in there for maybe four days. It's my only extended amount of time in a hospital. And, and I was in there for maybe four days, and then at the end I had a gig, and it was, it was uh, I believe it was the... Leeds Festival, which is like a big music festival, and other and the Foo Fighters were playing, and I wanted to see them or yeah. something, and and I was going to for one of the first times in my career, I was going to perform on stage in front of you know three four thousand people, you know. So I thought that I didn't want to miss that, you know. And so the doctors recommended I stay, and I said, oh no, I'll just go, and I just got up and I left. Now in that time, um, they never once asked to see my identification to check who what my real name was. I was listed there as Jim Jeffries. Uh, they never once made me sign anything or ask if I had a medical provider. They kept me in hospital for four days, and then the British government gave me £10,000 as a victim of crime. And uh, 
Now, now, now! Imagine the same thing happening to you in America oh, yeah. when when you're not a citizen. They'll throw you out. You you fucking what? Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Wow. Do you think? Do you think uh, it could actually happen here? Free healthcare um, because you know you need, these companies you, you, hold so much. Yeah. The, weight. the, the problem is because everyone thinks, oh, I've got good insurance. Your insurance can at any stage say we don't think this is the procedure to give you. You know what I mean? And and so you might think you have the best insurance, but the insurance can still fuck you over. And 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 you go, well, why should I have to pay for that person if I pay for my insurance? I mean, the cost would go way down because you know when you've got your car. And they go, are you doing this on insurance or are you paying for yourself? If you say I'm doing it on insurance, the job costs five grand. If you're paying for yourself, it's a fucking thousand bucks, mm-hmm. right? And that's whenever you go in on insurance, that's why our premiums are so high and that's why some companies can't afford to employ as many people and all this type of fucking bullshit because you're getting surgeries that they claim are $30,000 and they're fucking not. Yeah. The only, the only doctors that are honest in America – are plastic surgeons. <laughs> you know what I mean? because, because you can't claim it on insurance. A yeah. set of tits costs what a set of tits cost. Seven they're, grand. Yeah, they're, they're seven to 20 grand, yeah. depending what town you're in. That's how much they <laughs> fucking cost. Right? Yeah. But imagine if a set of tits was an emergency procedure. <laughs> and your family's in debt. And you you know what I mean? Like you're telling me that a set of tits is easy, is is harder, is easier than casting a leg that's been broken. You know what I mean? Like you're putting new tits and sculpting and all that type of stuff. Man, they're the only honest doctors. It doesn't sound like they would be, but they are. They, uh, my friend is a doctor and he goes, do not go. He goes, the more you go to the doctor, the faster you'll die. Right. Because they'll put, they'll give you a drug, mm-hmm. then they have to give you another drug once that other drug wears off. So you're, they're constantly pumping you with drugs because they're just giving you what, whatever deal they have. And he goes, the more you go, the more, you notice the people that go to the doctor the most, they're on the most pills. Yeah, yeah. You know, so he goes, only go to the doctor when you have an emergency or you don't want to be that because every, every year or every two years, you got to get something else because the other pills don't work. And yeah, he goes, yeah. that's, that's what our system does. Well, you're the only country in the world that, uh, I don't know this for a fact, but it feels, I've traveled the world. You're the yeah. only country that has, uh, advertises medicine. Mm. Ask your doctor about Cialis, yeah. right? Ask your doctor about this lipidoid or whatever that will <laughs> lower your face. You're not meant to ask your doctor about shit. Yeah. They're meant to tell you what you need and what's wrong with you. They're the professionals. You shouldn't be going, I'd like to add something to my fucking <laughs> antidepressant that I've been told from the TV. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? It's, yeah. That's ridiculous. And, and every, every person that travels to America and sees that on the TV, the first, like, my dad just left. They're always stunned by it. Every friend I have to come, and, and I'm used to it now, so I forget about it. But every time they watch the TV, they go, what the fuck's this? Yeah. And then when they afterwards, and side effects might be death. Death, yeah. Side effects might be suicidal thoughts, death, hemorrhaging, fucking all this type of bullshit. And you're like, they're bad, man. The side effects. Sound-. But, I, you know, like, I, I take tablets to keep me hair in me fucking head. You uh-huh. know what I mean? My my mother was, uh, my, my mother passed away and she, she was, she was, uh, she was a big fan of tablets. Really? Pills were the, it, it, like, like if any, something was wrong, there was always a magic pill to fix it. Yeah. There was never exercise and diet. Uh, there was never two, there was never those two things. Well, oh, now I'll be okay. There was always oh, I need another pill. And by yeah. the end, she was fucking, 
she 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 rattled. She was having like these little jars of them every day that like and there was an oxycotton in there and there was a this and a that and a valium and a and a whatever and it's like it's like also like she had a pill cocktail going. She on. had a pill cocktail, and when when she died, they found lots of tablets in the house, loads and loads and loads of them, where 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 just boxes and boxes of drugs. And when my dad had to go back to the pharmacy and, and go, "Can you take all these back?" It was just ridiculous. Now was it? But, sh- then, but then I think about it. I've taken. I'm not. I'm not condoning um, painkillers and oxycotton and stuff like that. But I will say this. I've I've had an injury where I've taken painkillers, and I get it, I get it. And I used to think my mother wasted her life because she spent the last thirty years just sitting in a chair, not moving, taking painkillers. And uh, yeah, maybe she fucking nailed life. <laughs> maybe she did. Maybe she had the life that like because I've done it for a week, and I've gone, that was a good week. <laughs> and she's gone, like, that's a great thirty years. Yeah. <laughs> And then I'm like, but I should get up because you you got to get out of the house. But why? Why do I have to get out of the house? I've never been on painkillers. What does it do to you? Like, what's it make you feel like? Just numbs everything. It makes you feel uh-huh. like warm. I, I feel like you're just warm. Like, you're just like, ah. Uh, okay. And also, it's not as much pain. It's like, who's in pain? Because I'm not feeling any pain right now. If I really think about it, maybe I've got a little bit of a sinus thing. You know, if you're real, if I'm trying, but for the most part, I'm not feeling any pain, you know? And and so it's 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 not like when if I took one now that it would be the same because I'd still not be feeling any pain. What it is is it it sort of um, you stop giving a fuck. Yeah, you know what I mean. And giving a fuck it, it bring it is what brings you a lot. Me personally, a lot of depression and a lot of anxiety. And 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 you know because I give a fuck, right? When when you take away giving a fuck, and that's why I've always liked. I've always liked drinking because there's there's a, a escapism. I love escapism. It's just more escapism. And the, the problem with drinking or drugs or anything, I have a theory that, you know, I, I don't know if I'm a, I'm a network TV guy now whether I should yeah, talk yeah, about yeah, drugs. I don't want you to mess up your NBC. No, 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 no. <laughs> <laughs> no, I have a theory that, that we've all, like, you know when you've got, you're making a, a player on a computer game and, and you've got a hundred points of attributes that you can divvy over maybe seven or eight things, you know, ad- agility, speed, uh, skill, coordination, whatever, you know what I mean? And, and you, you use all those points up and then that's the person, you know? Um, I believe that we've all got a certain number of drinks we're allowed to drink and then you've drunk them all. Mm-hmm. We've got a certain amount of drugs we can take and then you've taken all your amount of drugs and you might use them all up in your twenties or teens, and you might have run out. You know yeah. what I mean? Mm-hmm. It's like it's like it's like I don't. You know, I hardly drink anymore. Um, uh, and while I'm, when I'm working on TV, I don't drink at all anymore. You know, but but uh, you know, I think I've had enough drinks now that I get drunk pretty easily. <laughs> that that my numbers sort of up, right? But but. If I was a sensible drinker in my twenties, I could have kept drinking into my nineties because yeah. because my allotment would have been. Ha- you went too hard. I went to. I <laughs> used. I used my, so you've got a certain level of you know I, even things like marriage. People have got so many marriages in them before they go. Mm-hmm. No more marriages. I've used all my marriage quota. <laughs> yeah. Well, I I also think it's a thing um, when you said about drinking and. Now, what did that change because you had a son? Did you start? Did, what changed when you well, had a son? I, I, one of the 
No, a lot changed when I have a son. I'm, I, I'm a. I think I'm a pretty good dad. His mother's. Oh, you're a great dad. His mother's a, a. You know, she drank as well, so she never. But not during the pregnancy. I remember really. This this is real alcohol talk. <laughs> I, I remember really enjoying the pregnancy because I had a designated driver. <laughs> <laughs> I, thought, I thought life was like Ernie knew me back then, yeah. you know? Ernie, and, and I, I, I knew that my life was going to settle down, and so that nine months I hit it pretty hard. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it went so, all the way. So that changed me. I, that yeah. was that was like felt like a last hurrah type of thing. <laughs> um, and then I, I when me and his, and then I had some pretty solid years where I took care of myself pretty good there and and then when he was four and me and his mother broke up um I, I had a little bit more of a slide because I I when it, the week the week I had him I was the perfect father and all that type of stuff and then the week I didn't have him got, got a bit more debauched you know what I mean yeah. because I was like all right I got free time again and you know what I mean? And I found, like, as a as a separated... And, and my ex is one of my best friends and will always be. And uh, we had a child very early, so it was... it was. Uh, we're, we're, you've met her. She yeah, comes, absolutely. She, she, she yeah. comes over to the house. She, yeah. she still hangs out. Yesterday, she came over just to hang out for a couple of hours, you know? That's cool. Yeah, yeah. No, and we're, we're, we're best buds. And so I see, I see my son for a full week, and then the, the other week, I still see him about three times a week. And 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 the funny thing is, when we were together, she monopolized his time, especially as a little infant, so much that I was mostly playing video games in the early years because she put him to bed because that's what he wanted, and she spoon fed him and stuff like that. So I felt like a little bit more of a separate person. Mm-hmm. I, I believe I really started parenting better when I became a single parent. Well, because now it's just one on one, one on one, and then like there's things that like his mother looks at me now like like you know he's doing his shoes up and, and I go go have a shower and he goes have a shower by himself and normally she's there going make sure you wash your bath yeah. she's in there with him like try, like like okay he just does it and then sometimes I put him to bed and sometimes I go time to go to bed mate off you go I just send him upstairs right see that's see I, I think my son's only three mm. and right now he's so attached to my wife mm. I mean he loves me but it's not like no, a no, mother love this is the thing is yeah so I used to think that I would always be the second-class citizen in my son's oh, eyes. Oh, yeah. It's all changed. I'm the favourite. And it came out of nowhere. And it well, came, what age? What age? It came about a year and a bit ago, and he openly says it to me and to his mother all the time, like, Dad's my favourite. <laughs> he, he goes, Dad, I love you more than anyone in the world. I, 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 I do love you, Mum. Like, <laughs> and she's such a sweet lady that she just loves that me and him are so close. That's you great. know. So she's, but she does. I think she gets a little jealous of it. And I always go to her, I go, look, it's going to swing back and forth. And I, I don't know, man. I think I'm. <laughs> I like, and the problem is, and I desperately wanted it his whole childhood. I desperately wanted to be the favorite. Oh, I wanted to be the favorite, and, and then when I got to be the favorite, I, I don't know if I was ready for the responsibility. <laughs> it's a lot of responsibility. Oh fuck! I can't. He has to sit next to me. On you know, like, like, like if we're at the theme park, I have to do all the rides. Like I can't have a ride off or anything like that. And then I want Dad to put me to bed. And it's like I used to just sit downstairs. I know, right? You had it easy. Like yeah. that's the thing. Right now, I got it so easy. My wife puts him to bed. My wife feeds him. I'm sitting right next. Like, I'm right there, but he doesn't want 
me to do anything. You're, you're in, I, even when he was a kid, his nappy changed. He used to fucking cry murder if, if I was doing it. Well, I'll tell you this. We had a girl, and I can already tell that little girl loves me. Like, yeah. she'll cry when my wife holds her. And she won't cry when I hold her, yeah. and it makes me feel so good. It does make you like, it makes like, yeah, yeah payback. It's, it's payback. It's sadistic. The old uh, parent here. Yeah, it, it, there, there is, there yeah. is like a little. But you know what I do find, and and people who aren't parents will never um, really know what this feels like. And, and people go, oh no, because you feel a love that you can't explain, and that wishy washy stuff. The easiest way I can put it is, you do, you, you don't just have empathy for them. You you live everything they live. Yes. If they have a bad day at school, you're having a bad day. If they come home and they're bullied or something and they're crying and then it fucking, you feel like you've been bullied. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, where if it's someone else's kid, you're like, oh, poor little fella, I hope he doesn't. You have empathy yeah. for people. Yeah. But you don't have this emotional connection where you literally feel what they feel. And that old saying, you're only as happy as your saddest child. And that's fucking, that's why yeah. I, I look at people with like fucking... Six of them. No. Seven of them. I told my wife, I'm done. Two, you got a boy and a girl, done. You getting the snip? That's it. No, oh, uh-uh. No. I can't do that. I'm just scared of it. I don't know. Too, I got to read about it. What are you scared of? They, they snip it. Yeah, but you still come and everything. Oh, see, I don't... I, and I then don't. you can come inside your wife or oh. any random person you want, you know? <laughs> And you're all right. It's not a hundred percent. Listen to this. It's not a. It's not a hundred percent though. So yeah. you can't do that. Well, I was. My, my, Are you snip, Jim? No, I. I want another one. Oh, okay. I want another one. Yeah, I. 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 Um. I. I would like one soon. Really. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I'd like another. I don't want to get too old. That's that's my fear. Like that's why I had. I got them knocked out. We got married a year later. We had a my son, and now we have a baby girl. It's like I'm already started late. Like my parents started like twenty, like fifteen years before me. Yeah, you know, and I'm like gonna be the old dad, but at least we're taking. That's what I'm taking care yeah, of. Myself. How old are you? And yeah, you last John? Uh, I well, I'm forty. I was forty four when I had right, my right, daughter. So right, right. I, yeah, so you know, twenty years from now, I'm sixty four. But yeah, well, also we, we seem to be younger these days. Just people seem. Are we to saying be, that? Because no, no. You okay. look at photos of people back in yeah. the day. They weren't fucking. <laughs> They didn't age well. They didn't age well back in the day. Uh, and I don't know what it is, but it's like, I remember my dad at this age and he wasn't, you know. They look they really look, old at our age. But it, so my dad now, oh, he's 78 and he, he had me at the same age that I had my son. And, you know, I think that's like. That's my, good. Yeah, it's, it's all right. Yeah, he's an old fella now. But like, if I pictured him now, you know, so I would be another eight years old. If I eight years older, no, he would have been an old ass fucking man. Yeah. So, so you're really not going to live into their forties. Yeah, I've thought. And about you that. might live, but, but you won't be living. living yeah, you're in, in, there. into their forties. You're not giving them fucking advice anymore. No, they're, they're, they're taking. <laughs> they're taking they're, you're like, annoying now. Oh, I had to. My father was with me, and I had to talk to him like a child at times. Oh. Like, like he gets in my car and he just <laughs> he just opens the glove box and all that type of stuff. I just slap his hand. Get out of it. Sit down. What are you doing? We're just going for a drive. Oh, I was just trying to look at all the different things. <laughs> it's, it's so interesting. We go backwards. Like, yeah. literally, the older... My dad just fell off a treadmill yesterday. Right. He, instead of two, he hit 12 and didn't realize he hit 12. So he's standing on his tre- 
<laughs> yeah, he, and he's sprinting. He's sprinting and not knowing the technology. Like, it's all, it, it, that's all the bad stuff at once. So he falls off. He cuts up his legs and everything. And then I go, well, didn't you wear, like, shorts or pants? Or he's like, no, nah, I've run in my underwear. I'm like, oh, God. Oh, so you a- wear the clip attached to the machine. <laughs> oh, yeah, you wear that thing. Wear that thing that slips off and pulls the machine off. But it's true. You got to talk to them like they're kids sometimes. You know, one hundred percent. My mother, right towards the end, I tried to put her in a nursing home, and she was like, "I'm not going in a nursing home." I said, "Mum, I'm not doing this because I'm evil. I'm doing this because you physically can't take care of yourself anymore. You need constant care." And I'm in America, and my brother lives in a different city. And I, I said, "And Dad can't lift you up anymore to go to the bathroom. You, you gotta go to a nursing home." And I said, "I'll pay for it." Let's get you the fucking Rolls Royce or nursing homes, mm-hmm. you know. Let's do this, right? And then my mother said, "If I have to share a room with another person, I'll kill myself." And I was like, <laughs> and I went, I, 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 I go, "That sums your whole life up." And right. no one, what? Maybe this person will become your new best friend. Ugh. Maybe you'll find a kindred spirit. I go because a lot of the nursing homes were like, "We'll take her, but she has to share a room with someone for a month until a." Sp- a single room comes up. You uh-huh. know what I mean? Just a temporary thing. Why they're fine? Because they they need space. We're still a good one. No, I'm not doing that. I'll kill myself. How are you going to kill yourself? <laughs> and I go, I'll roll out of bed. Well, you'll just break a bone. <laughs> You're not going to kill yourself. You'll just make more trouble for everyone. Like, don't do that. <laughs> and so, so on like the last day, well, this is kind of sad. I, I, on the last day that she... Uh, she, she was, it, it, it had become time. She, because what was happening was she was falling over in the home mm-hmm. once a week and we were falling get, over and just walking and then would fall. Fall. Just, okay, you gotcha. know, and she, had, she had just the onset of Parkinson's. She had diabetes. She was morbidly obese. She didn't move. So the muscles were all, you know, mm-hmm. she had polio as a kid. It was all fucking coming to a head, right? And, uh, and she'd stand up and just fall over. And she'd only, she'd only get up. Once or twice a day to go to the bathroom. That's all she would do. Mm. She wouldn't worry about doing anything else, you know. And so, so dad couldn't lift her up. The next door neighbor used to come over and, and the two of them together couldn't do it. And they'd have to get an ambulance once a week. So this is like the Australian. Wow. And see, my father's a Trump supporter, right? And thinks the American system's better. I go, you would be fucking broke, dude. <laughs> you used to get an Because a- you're paying for you it. You used to get an ambulance a week. He goes, oh, yeah, America's good. Yeah, right. <laughs> what's your What's your dad like about Trump? He, my father's a guy from rural Australia, who, well, look, my dad's a great guy. I love my dad very much, but he he's a guy from rural Australia who, uh, how do I put this? Thinks minorities are taking over their yeah, land. He's scared of change, gotcha. and, and yeah. he's and he's you, he he. What he wants is what he wants is he wants. Uh, a bloke who tells it how it is. Too many of these politicians, they talk wishy-washy, and he likes that this guy irritates people. My father likes an irrit... You know, he, yeah. he, he enjoys that aspect of it. I think they watch it as entertainment more than... Oh, they're actually making, like, decisions for the... Oh, and Boris Johnson, he he, ah, he okay. also likes... But he, he met my, my girlfriend's from Britain, and my he he, he spoke to my girlfriend's mother for the first time and she's like a 50 something year old woman and uh my father thought this was a good way to introduce himself <laughs> on facetime she was talking on face- i wasn't in the house fuck i would have stopped it but he goes 
What do you think about Boris Johnson? <laughs> to an English person. And she she's married to an Indian guy, uh-huh. right? My girlfriend's half in. She so she's married to an Indian and and like <laughs> it didn't and so so he goes, "What do you think about Boris Johnson?" And she's very diplomatic and went, "Well, you know, it's like I wouldn't have voted for him. I didn't I didn't vote for him. Well, a lot of people did. <laughs> a lot of people did. So he must have something about him." And I said, "Dad, just fucking ask about the fucking weather." <laughs> You know, and he goes, if someone came to Australia and asked me about my prime minister, I would be happy because they were taking an interest in my country. And it's like, no, you just fucking... You just want to start a fight. Just want to start a fight. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He just loves it. And so we had a policy when he came out that we can't talk about Trump because my dad keeps on telling me how much better my life is because of Trump. <laughs> and, and it's like I'm not look. I know I had a political show. I don't really, and I've set a few political routines. I'm not hi- a highly charged political person. Yeah, I've got. I, I also consider myself to be um, a moderate. I'm not left wing or right. In fact, the left and the right. There's there's people in both those groups that despise me. I I, I don't find a home politically with anybody. Really, what I found a problem in the TV show was this. When the Jim Jeffries show was, you would have to do a topic every week, and there were some things like the guns or the healthcare that I was passionate about, that I had a lot that I wanted to say, and then there was things that I didn't really give a fuck about. But if you want to ask me my opinion, I'll give it to you, right? Because that was the show I had to give an opinion, of course. So let's say, say for example, there was a thing in I think it was Canada or something like that. How many genders should there be, right? Now, already I'm like, well, I'm fucked now. <laughs> I'm fucked. Yeah. And they asked me how many genders, and I said, I, I, I don't Six. I was thinking, I was thinking like pre-op, post-op, thinking about operation, male, female, and then just a random one yeah. that I'll give you that you can, yeah, I'll give that, you. That you can yeah. just throw in there that I might be mm-hmm. ignorant about. And they went, no, there's 30, right? And I was like, and I was like, I, okay. Now I don't give a fuck that there's thirty. Have a hundred, yeah. and if you want me to call you a thing, I will call you that thing. I don't care. Yeah. It's fine. But then if you ask me your do, opinion, do you think thirty's too much? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think thirty's a bit much. How about we go to eight? You know what I mean? Like, like. But then all of a sudden, then you're in trouble because yeah. you're anti something, and I'm not an anti. I just, I don't. Yeah, I, 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 it's not, it's not a battle that I need to win. Did you get in a lot of trouble on the show? I got no. Depends what trouble is. You know, I, I got a lot of hate mail. Did you really? Yeah, tons of it. Yeah, that's and I, and then I started thinking, oh, why was me? The internet's coming to get me again. And and then I found out that John Oliver gets probably as much, if not more. And and um, I, I, I can't imagine what Trevor Noah probably gets. There's probably a bit of racism mixed in with his hate mail. <laughs> You know? And he's not from here. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, there's, and, there's, I mean, John Stewart probably got so much because he was like a master at it too. Yeah. And so so I'm not I'm not a person who enjoy. like I feel like John probably enjoys it because he always lists the, the thing. I stay away from it. I don't I don't really every now and again I I duck my head into to social media and have put a post or something, but then I um <coughs> I never read the comments underneath or anything. So you're not a big social media person. No, and I've never been a big internet. But I don't own a computer. Really? No. Okay. No, I don't own a computer, and 
you can send an email from your phone or anything like that. I, 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 uh, I've never written a joke down. My memory's not as what it used to be. I used to have a really good memory. And so I used to just come up with ideas and then just say them. And just recently I've been putting like a word here, a word there in my phone, just in notes, just one word. Yeah. I'm the, I just like, I've never written a joke. I just go up there. I think when you're telling real stories, yeah, though, yeah. you don't need, you're not like a joke writer. You just, you and, just and, know the story. All the scripts I've written, um, I write scripts like, you know, I write a lot of the legit scripts and I've sold some movie scripts and some other TV parts. And the script that I'm writing at the moment for me, see, I, I write it like I'm in a psychiatrist's office. I have a person with a, a, a computer sitting next to me and I lay on a sofa and then I really think about it really hard the night before and then I, I can mostly get out a whole 30-minute episode in about four hours. Now, that's with dialogue, everything. Yeah, but I've been sort- thinking about it a gotcha. lot for weeks and weeks and weeks before that. And then I'll punch it up and do little things afterwards. Uh-huh. That's not the whole process. But the meat of the job I'll do just laying on my back. Just So you, so you like, vo- do you, is it all in your voice or are you doing different voices? No, I voices do different the- people's dialogue cool. and all that type of stuff. Yeah. And I've always sort of, I've always sort of, yeah, like, and then I say to someone to email it to me or something or print it out. I still deal with, like, hard paper <laughs> yeah. copies. I don't really, I've I got the iPad and an iPad pen, like, this is going to be, this is me now. I'm going to be this guy. And then I, I fucking never used it, man. And, and, and it's weird because I'm arguably a, a product of the internet, you know, because all the clips all went viral and I never monetized a clip or anything. So someone made, you know, that gun thing before it got taken down, got to 60 million. You know, oh, got, somebody got, made, and someone, that's when YouTube was paying too back then. Yeah, someone someone made bank who just put it up there. Mm-hmm. Well, good luck to them. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> you know, but I didn't I didn't get any money off what, that. What's your worst experience on stage? Ah, uh, well, there's the infamous I got punched in the head, but that wasn't the worst. Um, because that's just physical pain. Yeah. Um, I there. There's been times that. I've I've been booed off and that doesn't feel good. Um, but like then, not recently though. No, not recently. Not okay. recently. Was it when you were like known and people? No, were before I was known, and it was like it's still now. I I I have problems going down to the comedy store or something because if people don't know me, sometimes I think they're just not going to like me, and I, I think like my fans like me, and, and that's you know. But I get very insecure about that, you know, and I um. Um, been booed off, but I think the worst experiences I've had on stage are the ones where I've let myself down. And that's been few and far between. But, the, you know, I've always given my best when I'm on stage, and I've always tried really hard. Um, well, how would you let yourself down? Well, there's been, on occasions, not a load, and there'll probably be people writing underneath now, oh, fuck I get I get accused of being drunk sometimes on stage when I haven't had a single drink. You know, mm. I think the accent and just the... the um, uh, this this <laughs> the, the way that my, my my thoughts are disconnected until I join them all together, you know what I mean? Yeah. And so so, but then there's been times when I've been on too many substances to really perform at my best, and I've still done fine shows. And then I'll give myself this: there's been times when I've been on stage that where I was leathered, like blackout drunk, that were some of my best performances ever. So because I was just like. 
like a Jedi. My brain was just working and funny and just every quick response and then every little idea that I ever thought was great that I was too scared of doing, I just, and it was all working. So do you remember that moment? I remember. Or the, do you have to watch it? One of my second, Alcoholicos is my best special. I was blind on that one, on the actual special. Whoa. Yeah, I called it Alcoholicos after the special because, but I was blind and that's my best one. Wow. And there's jokes on that that I never remember doing before the special that I just did. It was like I was just in a Zen mode. I just had it that day, you know. But then, okay, so so the top 2% of my gigs that had some type of substancy problem with them, right? The uh-huh. top, but the bottom 10% of my gigs have also had that that problem. And all the, the sober gigs have all been in the meat of the – good to average average to good area. Uh-huh. And that's where you really want to be, the consistent and all that type of stuff. So, you know, there's been times I've let myself down. There was, a, there was a gig in New Zealand where I I could not be fucked anymore with these people in Auckland. They just wouldn't stop heckling. There was 3,000 people and they just wouldn't stop heckling. And they just, well, what about the rugby? What about the thing? Oh, you so know? they would oh, just yell out stuff. Fucking New Zealanders, man. Yeah, like, like, oh man, I'm not bigoted about a lot of groups, but <laughs> fuck. they're not good, huh? Uh, not if you're Australian, you'd have a wonderful time. If okay. you're Australian, they have a chip on their shoulder about you. Is right? that is that go to rugby? Yeah, is, well, is, to is them it, it does, but I don't give a fuck about yeah. rugby. So you're telling me about a game that I don't watch, that I don't, you know? But it's also they just there's three million of them, and and they they just and it like it's like it's like when you meet a Canadian. And you, and you call them American, they go, no, no, I'm Canadian. When you meet an American, you go, are you Canadian? They go, oh, no, 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 I'm American. And yeah. they're fine with it. Yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. You call me New Zealand, doesn't bother me in the slightest. You go up to New Zealand, are you from Australia? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> I'm not from Australia. I'm, I'm full. <laughs> right? And, and, and so being on stage, and also I feel like they – their comedy, yeah, yeah. Reese Darby's one of my best friends. Mm-hmm. I know Fly the Concord's great, uh, and yeah, uh, Tyker was all in that group as well, you know. And mm-hmm. like he's Oscar-winning director now, you know. And there's there was a small group of but like for the most part they don't go out and watch comedy. So I was a big act in town, for that, and then the, and it was like they all showed up like this. I'm going to give that heckling a go. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean. Now, do you cut a show short after that? No, well, I I went, and someone can find this article somewhere because it's a, I'll tell you, it's a load of fucking bullshit. And I remember being angry in the morning, but but it was just the heckling got so much and I was trying to do the jokes and they were cutting me off at punchlines, ruining routines like this, right? And a strange thing had happened in the audience where I was like trying to put them down. Normally the audience is with you, but the audience sort of felt like, oh, this is meant to be a fight. You know what I mean? Like, so they weren't really egging each other on, but normally the audience self-polices and yeah. people feel shame and embarrassment if they keep going and on too long. they spent all this money to get yeah, in. Yeah, and the comments, yeah, and, you, and the, you know. So, so I, I, I had to sort of break, I don't want to say character, but persona, you know. I had to break persona and go, hey, guys, this isn't working. You can't. I can't get jokes out. I just can't. I tried to reason. I said, I can't get jokes out. I said, look, if you keep doing this, I'll just have to leave because you can just sit here and yell at each other and have the same experience. You don't even need me up here, right? And I said, how about we just be quiet? See if we can be quiet as we're in for 10 seconds and and then we'll reset 
we'll act like it's a new show when we're a new audience. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. And I've seen, I, I've done something like that. I've seen comics do similar things to that where it's sort of worked, where you, people have gone, oh, yeah, okay, you have yeah. to talk to them like children, but eventually yeah. they go, all right, yeah, that would be better, and, you know, we've pushed it, yeah. <laughs> and so I went to 10. It got to, it got to four or five seconds before they started yelling out, April 18th, or cunt, or gun control, or whatever they, <laughs> right? And yeah. they started just, and I went like this, and I was going to walk off stage, and I went, fuck, fuck. And then I remembered I had a school teacher called Mrs. Fisher, and Mrs. Fisher was my maths teacher. And Mrs. Fisher, you could be throwing balls in the classroom, standing on the table with your dick out, and she wouldn't do shit, right? <laughs> But she would keep teaching. She'd just keep talking and doing the maths. And if you listened to her, she was an amazing teacher. But it, it wasn't her decision whether you listened to her or not. That's right. It was yours, right? Mm-hmm. And I remember, like, figuring that out halfway through the year that I just had to listen to Mrs. Fisher, you know, if I was going to pass this fucking class because otherwise what was the benefit of thing? And so I thought I'd Mrs. Fisher this bitch up, man. <laughs> and, and, and I would do... I was doing the routines. They could yell out all they want. I didn't acknowledge if they were yelling, if people were fucking standing up going anything. I just just kept on going. And then I went to the thing. And then my kid said to me, blah, 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 blah. And then fucking guns, fucking blah, 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 blah. (laughs) (laughs) And and so so I got out of it. Now, the next day... There was people on forums going, he was so unprofessional, so unprofessional, he didn't fucking did it, control the room and blah, 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 blah. And it's like, yes, I've been going for this year and I can't do it. I'm obviously an idiot <laughs> who doesn't know how to do comedy. I'm a fucking <laughs> moron who, who I, you know. Uh-huh. And so and so, so the, the New Zealand Telegraph um, rang up my manager at 6 a.m. to ask if I had anything to say about the whole incident. And they said, well, he's, a, he's asleep, right? The article went like this. Jim Jeffries got, it goes, it goes, Australian prima donna. <laughs> <laughs> Australian, Australian prima donna asked for, I, I can't, I haven't seen it. The New Zealand uh, Telegraph, someone can find it. Australian prima donna asked for a minute's silence. <laughs> I didn't, I said 10 seconds. And the person who wrote it wasn't even in the room. They just read some comments that people yeah. put like, how dare he ask for a minute's silence or whatever, like, just from drunken cunts on the way home and now it became fact and and then they go we reached out to Mr. Jeffries but he refused to comment <laughs> you're asleep it was 6am I was asleep <laughs> oh man and so, so it's like it was it was like that was like me in New Zealand done mm-hmm. I got offered to do I got offered a lot of money to do a gig in New Zealand and I told him no you thank you no. I might go back in a four or five years when I've forgiven them, but I'm still angry. <laughs> I'm still, I'm still angry with, How their, long ago with was their that? fucking chippy little press, <laughs> you know, and their fucking attitude. Go fuck yourself, New Zealand. <laughs> what was this? How long ago did this happen? Five, six years ago? Oh, yeah, about five years ago. Okay. I'm very unforgiving. Okay, yeah. Ten years. <laughs> ten, year, ten years, I'm back. <laughs> you can make it a party, a ten-year oh, anniversary. Look, 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 I've got, no, I, this is sounds super racist, but they're not a race, they're a nationality. Yeah. <laughs> I have no problems with the individuals. <laughs> I have many New Zealand friends and will continue to. It's just them as a group that I don't like. <laughs> Uh, it's when they get together in packs. 
at your show. Yeah, at my show. Uh, yeah. <laughs> your show. Uh, can you talk about the NBC show a little bit? Yeah, sure. Okay, so you you're shooting a pilot. I am. You're staffing it up. How's that go? Where are you? I so don't. Far? We've cast it. I don't know. This is one weird thing about TV. I never know. If I said right now who the cast is, I might be in trouble, or it might not. Oh no! Matter. I want you to say that I, you will be. I in think trouble. someone would have to make an announcement yeah, they need or a, something. But do you have the full cast? I have the full um, series regular cast. The the, the 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 five main. Hang on, the five main characters I have. Okay, and this is a show where you were just chilling on the couch, yelling at the person. Or not yelling, but, you know, telling the person what to type. And this is how this project... Yeah, or yeah, did well, you write well, it with I, I, No, I'm, I'm, I wrote it with a, a, a lady called Suzanne Martin. Mm-hmm. And she was one of the head writers on um, Frasier and on Will and & Grace. And so she's... And she uh, created Hot in Cleveland. And, oh, nice. And um, so, so Suzanne's been around for a long time. Actually, after this, I'm going to go hang out with Suzanne and write some stuff. And, uh, you know, they, 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 they buy the show and then... They set you up interviews with showrunners and, and you meet someone who you gel with or for me, it's even not even gel with who's enthusiastic about the project, yeah. you know, cause that's, it's, it's easy to meet someone you get along with. What's, what's interesting is when we were talking about before they even announced it, you have this very nonchalant attitude mm. at that time because mm. it wasn't like you weren't casting and you were like, Hey man, you know how this business goes. It, it could happen. And then it could all go. I, look, Did, are you more invested? No, you- I still think that I yeah. don't get it. I don't, I'm like, I'm like, um, people who had children during the Victoria era, right? They never got attached to the kids until yeah. they were about three because the infant, infant death was like at 60%. <laughs> I'm not going to get attached. I'm not going to get attached to my baby, the uh, show until it's up and running because it, then it'll be really sad when it dies. If I, <laughs> if, I don't, if I don't make an emotional connection to it, I'll be okay. I look, I hope the best. I'm going to do everything I can to not let this baby die. Okay. Right. I'm going to do everything in my power. Not, but, but I, I, I've been, look, I will say this about the shows that I made. Um, legit in the Jim Jeffrey show. I've been happy with both of them. I think they've been good products and whether other people think that or not, that's, you know, that's up to them. But me personally, I think I've produced good shows. So if I produce something that's good, it, 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 of course it matters if people watch it because, you know, you need people to watch it to be successful. But if I can hold my head up high and go, Mm -hmm. it was good, I'll be happy with that. And then I feel like the rest is in the gods a little bit. How far are you away from shooting the pilot? Uh, April. Oh wow! Yeah, we're, we're we're getting in there. They're building they're building sets. That's so cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they're building like, and it, it is weird when someone goes, "This will be your house," and you're like, well, "This is where I live." That's amazing. Oh, and then like the house they're building me is nicer than my own house. I'm like, "This is lovely." Now I might live on set. Are you are you a type of person that you'll go to acting class, or you're just gonna go and be yourself? Well, I'm playing myself. Yeah, and I've already done that in another show. But they used to give me a lot of takes, uh, and this multicam. But I, yeah, I'm gonna get a few coaching sessions just um, for reactionary things. You know what I mean? Like I know how to time a joke. I'm not worried yeah. about that. But mate, I, 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 in in real life, I, and people who are watching this right now may have noticed I have problems listening to the other person. <laughs> so I I have to I have to uh, I have to work on that. And they go, oh. Oh yeah, oh yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, oh. and then when someone acts shocked, you go, 
oh. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I remember when I was acting, I was acting in legit. So Dan Backerdahl, who who was in it, who you might, many people, he was in Life in Pieces and he's been in loads of, he plays uh, in uh, Veep, he played the character that used to just be the, the congressman who used to come in and, and just used to have a whole lot of put downs. Was like, okay. Like, yep. you know. So, so Dan, Dan's a great second city actor, really good actor. And most of my scenes were with Dan and me and Dan were always, me and that character were always sort of on the same emotional journey. So if he was sad, I was sad. If he was happy, if he was shocked, if he was drunk, my character was drunk. If he was whatever, you know what I mean? Uh-huh. And so often I used to just in scenes look at what his face was doing and, <laughs> He's just can't be right. <laughs> and I go, oh, Dan's angry. I'm angry. Oh! <laughs> so, do you get nervous like acting because stand up so like? Um, I, I, towards the end of that show, I, I, I sort of started to to get comfortable with it. Comfortable, yeah. And and uh, I was looking forward to it, and then doing a few more risky things and scenes and stuff like that. The Jim Jeffrey show, I used to just sort of stand there and tell the, the first few episodes, and by the end I was moving a lot, and I yeah. looked really, I looked really comfortable up there, and then they fucking took it away from me, yeah. and I was like, all right, so every time I get good at something, it's like, I wasn't a, I wasn't a great stand-up comedian day fucking one, mm-hmm. and so the problem with these these things is we write off and I even think this about sitcoms or whatever. You know, a lot of things now are cancelled before they get their footing, you know? Yeah, it's it's an industry that will take it away really quick and never give anything a chance anymore because it's more about the executives. You know, they well, take they've, the they've brunt got, of they've, that. They've got, yeah, you know, but you think of like the first episode, the pilot of Seinfeld didn't have a lane. Mm-hmm. You know, it, yeah. it, it didn't even have a female character. It had a... It had a, a a waitress that they'd chat to in the coffee house. It was meant to be. Who was? You could so clearly see that Larry David and and Joe Simon were like, oh, that has to be a woman. Um, <laughs> fuck, uh, there'll be a waitress. We go to the same coffee shop. We're in three scenes there. Yeah, there'll be a woman that always serves us. And we chat to her, and it's it's a thing where that show evolved because I remember it was supposed to be like uh, at the beginning, was it? It didn't start with a stand up, or did it start with a stand up? I believe because I know they added it or took it away later. Yeah, I believe it started with a stand up. Yeah, and by the third or fourth, they took that element away. Yeah, it or just, it's very light. It wasn't necessary. Also, Seinfeld probably had run out of material. Yeah. to keep putting at the front of the episodes. Mm-hmm. You know, because the the material always had something to do with the actual show that you're watching. Mm-hmm. You know, I've got a similar device happening in, not a stand-up device, but a similar device happening in my show. Okay. Which is... Which is I got to go to the taping. I want to be there, yeah, man. Yeah, you can come, man. I want to see a, it. A live studio audience. I, I, I wonder, I just want to know, when I open the door, will everyone go, <laughs> will, it be, will that happen? Oh, yeah. Because they got a guy with an applause sign that says applaud. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like, so they will. Because like, they're forced to. Yeah, like that. <laughs> that's got to feel good, right? Oh, my God, yeah. Have you ever done it? Uh, I've done it, but it wasn't my show. But this is your see, it's your show, so it's a different level. Like when you come out, what show? What multicam thing? Uh, I did uh, the one. God, I, it was called Happy Endings. Dwayne, um, one of the Wayne's brothers. Yeah, yeah. I no, did I know Kevin that. Can uh, Wait. My, my ex was on that. Okay, yeah. I did Kevin Can Wait uh, with um, uh, what, what, oh Kevin my. Smith. Yeah, no, Kevin Smith. Kevin. No, um, oh my God, blanking. 
Kevin James. James. God, Kevin James. sorry, Kevin James. Yeah. Sorry, he put me on three times on that show. Sorry, Kevin James. But yeah, so I've done a little bit, but now like this is the first time where I'm totally out of hosting and I'm just doing stand up and yeah. acting. So I'm focusing on the on that. Do you, do you miss hosting? No, no. Uh, but I like it. But but I also I know- miss interviewing. Yeah, yeah. I miss interviewing people. I got I got good at that. I was so bad at it to begin with. And I hated it. And then I, when I broke through, I was like, ah, oh, that was. You know, you know what I, I, I like hosting and I like interviewing people, but I don't like that other people control it. Like yeah. what I like about you, Joe Coy, Joe Rogan and different comics is you control your own destiny. If you want to do a project, you can do it. But stand up is the base. And that's where I want to get I to. I saw where- your boy Joe did the Coliseum the other night. Dude, two nights, sold out two. The, two nights sold out the forum. Wow. I, I knew it's he was incredible. Big, but I didn't know he was that big. Fuck oh, yeah. Man. Sold 40-something thousand tickets in Hawaii. Like, the dude's crushing it all over the country now. And wow. the world. Wow. Like, yeah. Wow, 40,000 in Hawaii. Oh. Yeah, it's amazing. But that's what I, I mean, you know, we all hope to be that big. But my thing is, I just want to support my family with comedy. And then... I've already peaked. I'm on the way down. I think I've done... Do you my, worry think, about that? Well, no, no, because I still do 2,000 seats yeah. everywhere I go. And that's, that's the best size to do. But I... I remember doing, I did 13,000 seats in Melbourne at, uh, I did the Rod Laver Arena, which is where they, um, they do the Australian Open, the mm-hmm. tennis, right? And that was like a record for an Australian comic ever or whatever like that. And I remember walking out, it was just that many people and going, all right, well, this is the top of the mountain and now, <laughs> now it's time to go down. Do you think it's harder or easier today for a comic to break? Like to get to the level that you or these other comics get to? I think it's easier, but it's a different um, journey than what I went through. Mm-hmm. I don't think I'd break in the modern era. I don't think I don't think I'd have the same. I broke because people kept on coming to see me, and it was a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more, a little bit more. It wasn't like like the internet wasn't a thing and it wasn't my social media and it wasn't that I started releasing a minute's worth of stand up a week and this yeah. and that and just, and I wasn't doing mailing lists where people were targeted thing. And, and you know, still to this day, I don't like when I, cause I'm an old, old yeah. fella. I don't like when a comic takes a photo of themselves in front of a big fucking crowd. I don't like when a comic takes a photo of themselves getting on a private jet. I don't like that. Yeah. I think you're meant to be, cool as fuck man and you should be like a little bit elusive and and if you if you're performing in front of fucking ten thousand people it's because you're meant to be performing in front of fucking ten thousand people and but other people think i, I think they think it's more humbling to just go look at that i think yeah. it's braggy or something there's something and my, most people do do that when they do bigger rounds so i'm not bagging on one particular yeah. person no i got you but me personally i feel like that's like I I feel douchey doing that. Almost act like you've been there before. Yeah, yeah, but I I feel like now acting douchey is what our society is. Well, our well, society is now all about likes and this and look what I've yeah. done and look at this and look at that and look at this, right? And so now to get there, you have to kind. And I'm not saying these people are douchebags. No, I'm saying you kind of have to act douchey. And keep just plugging yourself all the time. Like this is what I'm up to. Catch me here. Come on to me. You know it is. It is true because because um, for instance, I, I I go to a bunch of shows and we have friends that do big arenas and yeah. things like that. But when you go there, you know I I feel 
that a lot of it is if a lot of people today's society, if a lot of people see people going to you and you show that, yeah. then other people will go, well, if all these people, they're cattle, we're cattle. Yeah, yeah. Oh, well, we must go. We got to go, too, because look at all these people. going. Okay, a good example. I saw Chris Angel, right? This guy, take my kid to magic shows in <laughs> yeah. Vegas. So I took him to Chris, Chris Angel. We'd uh, seen Copperfield the day before. Yeah. Right. And so I'm there with my kid and I'm seeing Chris Angel and Chris Angel was just like with his douchey haircut and he's, he's probably a very nice man. I know he's had a lot of problems with his little boy, so I would never want to bang yeah. on this guy. Um, but, uh, he was just there with his haircut and everything. And he's like, don't listen to social media. Social media rots your brain and don't let the haters get you and people who write nasty comments and this is it. We're here in a moment. We should be keeping it real. And then like within a minute later, like, so hashtag Chris Angel live. <laughs> and he was making everyone take a photo of him like, here we are, here we are at the fucking Barada Casino. And you're like, you perform seven days a week, dude. Yeah. But it's the, you know what? It's the time we're in right now. No, no, it is. But it it's, is. It's, that's it how is, man. So I think I'm in the wrong. I should be doing all those things. I probably could promote myself a lot better. But I just. But you also don't need it because you're established too. Man, fucking. I'll tell you this. Brad Pitt and George Clooney, they're not on fucking social media. Right? Yeah. Right? Every fucking rock star worth anything in their ilk. They're not. They might be on social media, but they're not. I'm not. I don't, but, I don't run my social media, but they're not running their social media. But Brad Pitt was on the Jim Jeffries show. Brad so, Pitt. you know, he doesn't do social media, but he He's does the not, Jim Jeffries. The show. nicest man in Hollywood. The nicest man in Hollywood. How'd that happen? Real quick, and then and then you can go after how how about did he just call up or what? well, funnily enough, there was a there was a movie that he did called War Machine, and then I w- he said they said, "Oh, can someone interview him for an extra feature?" That was my first interview. That's why I said I was bad at it. My first ever interview of anybody in any facet was was Brad Pitt, and they and he requested me, and he I think he just watched like one of my specials the night before or something like that. And I went down, and it was the worst interview that anyone's ever given. It was, like, it never aired. And people said at the time, this is the problem with, with entertainment, people blowing smoke up my ass, like, that was great, that was great. And I was asking stupid questions like, how much is, like, a gallon of milk? <laughs> <laughs> right? So what was it? Because I thought that was interesting. Like, does Brad Pitt know what a gallon of milk? And then he just looked at me, and I was starstruck. And I'm only, it's the only time I've ever gotten really starstruck where I was like, fucking hell, this guy's the most fucking popular person on the planet and i was just sort of fumbling around and then i thought oh that went to shit i got a, a photo with him and fucking went home a bit depressed i did you know and and uh and so so then he rings up and he goes hey i'd like to help out with your show and i and then wait he rings up like you yeah and he goes i'd like to help you out with your show and i said oh, okay so I, I speak to my management i said brad pitt wants to be they, they've got i've got the same manager the same company okay right and so, so they go, they go, ah, oh, why don't you ask him about like foster kids or adoption or something like that? Or, you know, with kids, cause you know, he knows about that or, or he builds houses in New Orleans for hurricane things. And I was like, yeah, but what's the point of that? And everyone already knows these things. The thing about Brad Pitt is it's not hard to get footage of him. Yeah. He's the biggest movie star in the world. Mm-hmm. You want to get footage of him doing something a bit different, right? Yeah. So I said, how about like, if he's like. I don't know, like a sports guy or a weatherman on my show or something like that, right? And they go, don't you ask him to do that. We don't want him looking like a fool or something like that, right? <laughs> so this is your management. I was like, okay, okay. And so I ring up Brad and I'm like, hey, man, um, 
uh, you know, we could talk about like the houses you build in New Orleans. And he was like, no, 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 I don't want to, I don't want to, no. Uh, um, uh, and I go, what about like adoption? No, not nothing about kids, man. Um, I go, you, you could, uh, could be my, could be my weatherman. I went like that. <laughs> and he went, weatherman, huh? I love it. Let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> and that's how it all started. And he did it like three or four times on the show, he right? He did it six, I six think. Six times. It was something crazy like that. We recorded them all in two days, in, in like two sessions. In two days, like we recorded them all in 30 minutes all combined. Now, like is did. this, is when Brad comes on set, is this a thing where there was no audience there? No or audience. It- we, But this is the thing is, okay, so I'm all for... That women have been mistreated by men over the years. Yes. That's not, that's not fucking, I'm not going to be like, but I tell you what, girls, you don't behave well in certain situations either. <laughs> I've been to a Thunder From Down Under show and it was appalling. Oh. The women act way worse than a man I, in a strip club. I went, I went to one in Vegas. I forgot what actor was doing it. I've never seen <laughs> women act so re- taking off clothes, getting grabbing on stage, dicks, grabbing, gra- grabbing, hundred percent, yeah, hundred percent. Because I wrote a sitcom about me being one. Of, uh, it was almost on TBS. It went into production and then it got cancelled. About me being one of the original members from the Thunder from Down Under. <laughs> and then, no, oh no, it's a good show. I've still, I've still got I'm this laughing. script. I like it. And it was a sweet script and those things. And he had a long lost son and something and like. And twenty years ago, this guy was the shit when it started out. And now it's like, but I trained all you guys. And then it's like, you know, so it's a little bit full Monty, a little bit whatever. Yeah. And, and then he, you know, he tries to go a bit like snatch, like sort of tries to, you know, steal some drugs and stuff like that. It was like a little dramedy thing that I wrote. And and CBS bought it. So me and Chris Case, the guy who I co-wrote the second season of Legit with, we traveled to, to, to Vegas to watch the Thunder from Down Under. And... uh yeah, not well behaved. Oh, it's disgusting. We were the only two men in the room, and it's like it's like the little guy comes out and goes, "All right, you're all here. You've all got your fucking. You're on your bachelorette parties. <laughs> you're all here with your your girlfriends and your mums and your mum in laws." <laughs> and he goes, "But you know who's not here? Your husbands or your fucking boyfriends." And all the women went, "Wow!" Like that, right? And then no touching. We won't say anything, right? <laughs> and then they just fucking grabbing at dicks and stuff like that. And it was like, holy shit! It was eye opening. Right? When I when they brought me down to Vegas, the lady was like, "If guys were smart, they would just hang out at the bar afterwards." Like you know, like if you're a single guy, yeah. just go to the Thunder from Down Under show and hang out in the bar and wait for those doors to open because those women are next level when they walk out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've never <laughs> seen, I mean, talk about hook up easy. Like, they're ready to go. Like, I've never seen anything like that That's in my where, freaking where, life. Where were you when I was single? That would have been a good one. <laughs> um, but anyway, so Brad comes to work and it's like, normally the rehearsal, the rehearsal in the morning we have, you know, we had six writers, seven writers or something, and only about five of them would fucking show up. Yeah. And, then, and then we'd have a production person, a director, and then have the catering person at the back, and then there'd be your cameraman and all that sort of stuff. But sitting in the actual stands, maybe about ten people, right? And uh, the day that Brad did it, uh, I think every man on that set's wife <laughs> showed up. <laughs> 
people who had nothing to do with anything, and the women who who were just like normally just like oh, I'm a script coordinator and don't give a fuck, or I run the I run accounts. All of a sudden, they were desperate to see my rehearsal that day, <laughs> and and they they woof whistled and fucking behaved terribly. <laughs> Behave terribly. Where I was like, where I was like, could you imagine if like Gal Gadot showed up to work, and then every female's husband <laughs> rocked up? Well, you got to give it to men. Like we roll with the punches a little yeah. better sometimes, right? If, if every man's, if every woman's husband showed up and just went, yeah, <laughs> as soon as she walked out. <laughs> We have a real problem. Oh, yeah, big problem. Big problem. Oh, big, big problem. (laughs) (laughs) And I was like, all right, girls, control yourself. And then, like, when we got back, they were still like, did you see his body? Oh, my God. (laughs) Wait till we leave the room. They're worse than men sometimes. Yeah, men, at least we wait till they leave the room before we, you know. (laughs) Still, Brad standing next to him, like, did you see his body? <laughs> like, ugh. But, but I, I can't imagine what it's like to be Brad. I imagine that it's a it's a tricky thing. Now, after the show, do y'all still keep in contact or? Uh, yes. Oh, good. Yes, good, good, yes, good. We're, we're still friends. Now, are you touring or anything? Are um, you on tour right now? Um, I, um, I, I'm, a, I'm on a tour that ends um, when I die. Oh, <laughs> Everyone always asks that. You know better. Than you. Yeah. You're, you're always on tour. I didn't gig, know if you just got gigging, a, Yeah. You're just gigging every second weekend. I yeah. gig every second weekend when I don't have my kid. The weeks I don't have my kid, I'm on the road. Um, I have a new tour of new material. Okay. Cool. Um, because I have a, a Netflix. I don't know if I'm allowed to say that, but I have a special coming out. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to get yeah. in fucking trouble. Oh, yeah. I, I, I can't keep up with these things. Yeah. I don't. I, you I, have a I, new special coming. I have a special that has been recorded that I'm. Retire. I've reti- I'm trying to retire that material and do new okay. material right now. Now, do you like the special? Because I know, like you, I uh, do love this special. You do. I do. Is I, it your best one? It's not my best one. It's not my best one. It's. I would put it at. This would be special number eight, and I'll put it at number three. Real okay. I put it right up there. What's your first two then? Um, uh, Alcoholicos and Bear. Okay, are, are the best two. Um, and Bear, Alcoholicus is the best one, and Bear, just because it had the gun thing, um, and, you know, also it had just sort of the first sort of fingerprints of fatherhood on there yeah. that I kind of like. It, it just sort of felt like a meshing of my, my new life and my old life sort of coming together. That, that was a very, you know, um, happy period in my life as well. Yeah. All right, uh, Jim, thank you so much for stopping by, bro. Is that it? it was, that's I, it. I feel like I just talked the whole time. No, right? you, that's what I'm interviewing. That's what a good interviewer does. Ah, right. It's you about you. It's about not milk. Huh? You didn't ask me about how much milk costs. No. <laughs> he doesn't know. He doesn't know. He hasn't, but, but he hasn't been grocery shopping in that long. He didn't know whether it was $2 or $8. Well, uh, how much is milk, Jim? I think it's like three bucks okay. for a gallon. See, I don't know. I don't. I, I don't. think it's like that. I, think I it, order everything. I always now. think it's similar price to fuel. Which I would never understand because everyone, Americans and fuel are always complaining about gasoline, right? You're yeah. Like, oh, blah, 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 blah. It's the same price as milk. Milk comes out like this. <laughs> and we're not running out of it. 
We have plenty of cows. Yeah. We have an everlasting source of it. We can make it with nuts. <laughs> Do you drink milk or and are you... Like, and then like, to the earth's core, you're pulling out this this finite fucking like liquid, this gunk that we're running out of and might end the fucking world. Same price as milk. <laughs> All right, Jeff. Thank you for stopping by, bro. Uh, I will be in two weeks, March 7th and 8th at Gotham. Have you performed at Gotham in New York? Um, I did a TV spot live at Gotham. It's the only spot I've ever done. Yeah. Oh, I love that So place. I've never done a proper club gig there. Okay. Uh, check it out, michaelyo.com and Jim Jeffries. He's everywhere. Just- I'll be, I'm doing Thousand Oaks in Newport and something coming up around 